You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 251 of PHP Ugly. I am your host, this lovely knight, Eric Van Johnson, and with me, to my right, is John Congdon. What are we going to do for our extra special 250 episode? That's what we I already We already passed our 250th episode. <laughs> We're on oh. 251. Whoops. And, and, on on and our next 250, we'll do something special. The bottom to my top, Tom right out. Hmm. <laughs> don't like that. That's how I see that's how I see you on my screen anyways. I don't know. That's it. That, that, <laughs> this isn't getting any better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's getting, laughs> oh man. How's everybody? I think we're gonna start over. <laughs> Worn tired. out. Yeah, you don't even physically work for a living. What are you talking about? Tired. All right, Tom, let's start with you. Why are you so tired? What about coding makes you tired? Well, it's the, the organizational stuff that I'm just not that great at still. Like, it turns out doing nearly a decade of working from home, being the only back-end developer and having one front-end developer with no QA department kind of makes you bad at communication. Like, the process of having a QA department and other back-end developers, I'm not exactly getting through as clearly as I had hoped I just naturally would because of my sparkling personality. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm I'm doing a lot lately to try and organize my thoughts, organize all the things I'm working on, and to sort of upscale my communication skills. And uh, it is it is a little exhausting to, to start off. When, when you have people on your team that are good at writing documentation or tech specs or PR descriptions or anything, it, it, it drives me crazy because I'm so bad at it. I am. I, I feel like I'm in your shoes where I'm trying to get out my thoughts. They're scattered everywhere. They don't necessarily make sense. Yeah. In my mind, when I'm writing it, it's like perfectly clear. But well, I'm I'm rereading Pragmatic yeah. Programmer, which has a lot of stuff for uh, how to improve your communication skills. So hopefully that'll help me out. Um, but it's also organization stuff. You know, I have I have the responsibility of doing pull requests, code reviews, uh, and then I have tickets that are in progress as well as tickets that are bumped back to code review or bumped back to change request. And like juggling five or six tickets at once can be very overwhelming. And then I had a I had to have a meeting this morning because, as I told you guys earlier, uh, there was a bit a bit of a miscommunication, and I am no longer going to the uh, conference in Denver. Um, oh no, what happened? So I, I had created a, uh, a sort of a sales pitch presentation and uh, emailed it to them for their their review before the conference, and they were like, "Oh no, you're supposed to do an hour and a half technical hands on workshop." Uh, and I was like, "Well, it's in 14 days, so that's not going to happen." Oh, they love you. Yeah, well, they 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 said you know it's no problem, and uh, you know come back come on back next year, and hopefully we'll have things together. So, so was this your company or was this no the organizers of the event? How did this You're, happen? We're not. Uh, it's not really clear where the miscommunication occurred. Um, but when I had found out I was doing this presentation, this like 20, 30 minute thing, uh, they didn't have like a schedule on the website or anything like that. They hadn't, I I had no way of knowing exactly what it was except for what I was being told. And I was just informed incorrectly. So it was, uh, it was rough. Sort of, I'm still sort of a a five o'clock, a five o'clock email yesterday where I just went, I was about to take a nap and now I can't sleep. I am still so confused on it. Did you email your presentation to your company or to the organizers of the event? To the organizers. One in the same. My company, the people who I was discussing this with at my company were all under the impression it was just a short product presentation. The the conference people were under the impression that it was a lengthy, hands-on, interactive uh, multimedia experience. That makes a little more sense now. It's not. It's not that. Remember the whole communication thing we were talking about at the beginning? 
Well, yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons why this came into focus so sharply. Is I I realized, you know, as as a the sole developer for eight years at my last company, I didn't really talk to people as much as I I thought I did. Uh, talking to people is overrated. Kind of is. Yeah. How about you? How was your week, Eric? My week? Yeah. Uh, it it was. Week. It was fine. Uh, got was, back. Did you say to doing it was some wine? Coding. It was fine. It was wine. I got my wine. I got my fine wine. That's right. I got my wine this week. We're back on the wine gig. Um, yeah, it was good. I, I'm having a weird problem. I just, I, you know how it is when you sit there and like, well, I'll implement this one thing. I'll, I'll. It takes me about five minutes to do, and then like four hours later, you're still working on it. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> I had that problem today, and I still don't. I, I don't care enough about it on this project to worry about it, but it's gnawing away at me and I want to get it resolved. So we've talked in the past about using Minio in applications, either in development for an application where you're going to swap it out with AWS S3 or in recent shows, I've talked about deploying Minio as an actual solution. I've used it a dozen times in one of the latest, I, I, my Docker configuration for Minio has evolved. I went from one Docker container that just spun up Minio to having a, a Minio cluster. So I have four Minio Docker containers and a Minio um, uh, Nginx component on the front end. And I've, I've used I've used this exact configuration a couple of times. I mean, I've been using it for about a year or two. Um, no. It works fine. There's some there's some oddities when you have to actually switch over to S3. There's a couple things you have to remember, but it's never been an issue. For whatever reason, for this project that I'm working on, at the last minute, I swapped out the storage to Minio because I'm like, you know what? This client likes to use S3 for their assets. Uh, let me go ahead and configure their uh, development environment to use Minio. Now, one of the cool things about their development environment, it's a Laravel application, and the uh, the owner of the application is like, we want to be current with everything. We want to be current with PHP. Um, we want to be current with the doc with the uh, de- development workflow. He's like, so go ahead and use Docker. So Docker, Laravel, PHP eight, uh, it had Sail written all over it. I mean. Th- Laravel has their new Sail implementation, and Sail has a Minio install that you can do with it. It's a, it's back to the simple Minio install where it's just one container. I spin this thing up, and I really, honestly, thought it was going to be nothing. I, I know how to configure Minio. I, I thought it was going to be like a, a 10, 15-minute task. I can't get the damn thing to work, and I can't figure out why. I, I, I can get it to save, so I, I have it saving the files, but... It, it's not displaying. And I've had this problem in the past where I've had to use uh, with S3, I have to, I have had to use temporary URLs. So I'm like, well, maybe they made something, something, something's changed in Minio or the drivers in Laravel. You know, let me change the URL I'm grabbing, grabbing to the temporary URL. I mean, I really didn't think it was going to be a, a big problem. Nope, that doesn't work. <laughs> and I, I did it at the end of the day today. And I kind of, you know, I kind of, I, I, well, it wasn't at the end of the day when I started it, but like a couple <laughs> hours later, it was the end of the day. So it's just like in the back of my mind gnawing away at me. Like, you know, you still haven't gotten that working yet. It's bugging the hell out of me. Now I want to but, pause uh, the show and go help you figure that out. <laughs> I know because it's uploading. It's one of these weird things. And, and I've had this problem, as I mentioned, with S3 in the past with trying to display the image. And with S3, you have to do this temporary URL and you give the, you give the URL, you know, like 10 minutes of life or whatever, and it works fine. And I just can't get Minio to work. And I don't know if it's Minio not working or no, it's Minio. I, I, it's something with the configuration Minio, because even if I, even if I extract away the Laravel app and I try to view the image myself with how I know how to navigate to it through Minio, I can't. It, it keeps saying access denied. So I'm like, God damn it. What the hell? So, oh shit. I think I just realized what it is. <laughs> Holy crap. Squeak, 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 squeak. I'll be oh my God. Uh, I need. 
I need, need a to... little. We need a rubber duck animation. Oh, and I, I, I spun down the. Oh, I need to spin the container back up. God damn it! I think I know not, what it is. Not during the show. No, no, no. I think I know what it is. God damn it! This is why we need a live code. We should be coding right now. We need to stream our code. That's what people want to see. Yes, I know what it is. There's a setting. I think there's a setting on the bucket that you have to say uh, the bucket is public. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. There's something like that. There's a setting on a bucket in Minio that you have to check. God damn it. (laughs) So so that's what I'll be doing as I'm editing the show tonight. (laughs) Besides that. uh, I'm glad we could help you solve that. Uh, you know, like I said, getting back, I, I was on vacation last week, getting back to coding. It's been fun. Stressing out. I was telling John before the show, the whole idea of selling the house now is just really starting to stress out the family. And I'm feeling bad about it. I mean, we had, we decided before the pandemic, we were moving. I mean, this is a long standing conversation within the years house. in the making. Yeah. So the, the, the concept of moving is nothing new. Now that 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 triggers are being pulled that we're we're trying to put the house on the market we're trying to clear out everything out of our house uh trying to find a new house now the anxiety and stress is going up and it's you know it's starting to uh starting to affect the the, the general vibe in the house uh but we're we'll, we'll get there we just need to we need to find a house i i, I have no question we're going to sell our house because houses right now are just going like crazy we just need to find a house, get the wheels going to purchase the house. And I think everybody will, everybody will chill out. But yeah, when it comes so to packing of a- conferences, go ahead. I was going to say real quick, when it comes to packing up your house, deep breath, start in one room, get it done, move on to the next. Yeah. See, that's what we try. So if you notice my office, I mean, things behind me are slowly going away. All of my stuff, all the stuff I had up, I, I used to have, um, all my little Batman toys, my my uh, elephants and everything were were up there. They're all gone. Even stuff that that's on my little shelf over there, you can't really see it. Only thing really over there now are wine bottles <laughs> and a printer. <laughs> so yeah, we have been doing that. It's just not going as fast as we like, and it's just like, oh my god, it's just taking so long. And ideally, we would do the whole you know keep trash storage, keep trash storage sort of scenario but we can't we're not even doing that now we're just like just pack it all up we'll figure it out later that's yeah, not the way you're, to you're, no you're almost up to the, the last shit. you're almost up to the last <laughs> stage where you just get a box of matches and go room by room lighting it lighting it slowly uh, I on mean, fire so so that that is that is a real conversation to have because it's like okay we live in a high risk fire area of, of wildfires here in, in southern california so we have a packet and scramble plan in our house of okay these are where the photo albums are these are where the towers are that's pretty much all we worry about oh and a couple of uh, quilts that uh, my wife's uh, grandmother made so we we've already identified what we take in in the case of a wildfire and pack up and it, it has to be able to fit in whatever vehicles we have i very much want to implement that plan it's like okay listen it's the pack and scramble plan whatever we had for wildfires we Put in the vehicles, everything else we just sell with the house. <laughs> See, why do we have all these pictures of your family? I, it comes with a house, man. I don't tell you. Uh, yeah, it's my motorcycle. Don't behind. worry about it. Yeah. So, John, I reached out to you earlier this week. I don't know if I got a commitment from you, but with Thomas saying that he is not going to fintech, and Thomas, you'd already <clears throat> said you aren't going to. Uh, Longhorn, right? Not, no, not, not going to Longhorn. I had told John earlier that I am out. I, I'm not going to go to Longhorn. Uh, that uh, Delta variant variance is just getting too hot down there. Yeah, no shit. I'm just not comfortable. Yeah, what, pretty much d- in the same boat. But I keep putting in. It's in the back of my mind. It's like it's still what six weeks away. I'm like, mm. something could uh, change, but mm. I know it's not going to. Mm. No, it's it's. It is a hot zone right now, and you could not pay me to go. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I was telling John, I, I'm very fortunate 
in working with Oscar, a PHP architect, because he puts me in contact with a lot of people to speak to, to do interviews, either for the podcast or for the magazine. I get to talk to a lot of people, people who, who wouldn't give me the time of day normally, like John. <laughs> and uh, I had a long conversation with uh, S- Sebastian Bergman. Do you, are you familiar really? with who Sebastian is? Yeah. So he's the creator of PHP Unit. It, it it was one of these. So he wanted to do. He, I was doing a. Um, he's the community corner interview for next month, uh, September. So I'm actually writing it up now. When I do community corner inter- interviews, the people typically have a choice. We can do it over email, which a lot of people choose, or I'll do it over Zoom and transcribe it. Um, the only you know, the thing is, obviously, when I transcribe it, you know, I might take some liberties with how I organize some of the words. <clears throat> um, and he he was like, I'd, "I'd much rather do a Zoom call if you're comfortable with that." I'm like, "Yeah, that's I I pref- I don't prefer the Zoom calls because it's more work for me because it's got to be transcribed. And I got to piece everything together, and people have weird speech patterns, and yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, different factors that play into it. Whereas when I when they do it over email, people can, can kind of think about their answers. They type it out. It's almost a copy and paste for me. It's it's very easy to do uh, the email one. But the the I, I do enjoy the Zoom calls because they're more much more organic. Um, I'll I'll have some concepts of questions I want to I want to ask, but depending on the answers or depending on what's discussed, other questions may come up and. It's a much more organic conversation. And it, it, talking to Sebastian was very impactful to me. I, I, I very much enjoyed speaking with him. Um, but I was sharing with John that he'd said something to me that I, I'm going to add, add to the article, uh, but I'll share with you guys here, was that I, I'd asked him specifically, we, we, we were talking about community because he's a big community person and he's you know, big conference goer as well. And so we were talking about community and we we're talking about the in-person conferences again. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm not, I'm committed to not going to conferences this year. He says, I don't know about next year. We'll see. And he says, and I'm not only not going because, you know, I want to make sure that I'm safe because things, you know, depending on who's asking the, um, the, you know, the risk may be fairly low for me, but I don't want to go because I don't want, to encourage other people to go either. Like, I don't want to risk, I don't want other people risking going to a conference. You know, it, it was just highly like, of himself. Well, no, no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was him thinking highly of himself. I think it was a fundamental thing. He's like, yes, there are exceptions, but in general, I still don't think it's a good practice. So I'm going to continue to hold back. And yeah, he, he encourages other people to hold back. And I, I told John, I'm like, after he said that, it really got me thinking. He's like, as bad as I want to go to Longhorn and as bad as I want to see people, Joe Ferguson in our Discord will be there talking. Sarah Goldman in our Discord will be there talking. Um, somebody else was in our Discord, hey. right? Hey, well, he, I know somebody not in our Discord, but uh, Andy Snell is going to be there talking. And yeah, I work with him at Phone Burner. There you go. Andy's going to be there talking. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people, not to mention the Longhorn uh, organizers themselves, who are all great guys. There's so many reasons I want to go, but I just can't. I can't do it, and I feel. I feel super bad about it because I really want to, I really want to, you know, help the community come back and, but I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not there. And then then you said, and then you said something more impactful to me where I'm in agreement with you on all of that. And I've pretty much decided I'm not going, even though I'm holding out hope that some miracle happens. Uh, But we had talked about giving away our tickets if we decide not to go. But how bad we would feel giving it away again, encouraging people to go to a conference and what happens if they got sick or they got other people sick or whatever. It's like now there's this this feeling responsible for things that we shouldn't feel responsible for. Do it the capitalist way, sell the tickets, and then you can say, well, they knew what they were getting into when they bought it. (laughs) Feel no remorse whatsoever. So the good the good thing is if if there is a good thing is, is we did show our support we, we we financially helped back the conference I mean I I don't think anybody's going to miss me or miss John not really being there Oh no um yeah <laughs> So the, I jump in that, piece, quick on that, that piece that piece is, is 
<laughs> that piece is is done um yeah yeah i don't know i mean we did we did kind of say we would give him away i i feel very self i, I feel very self-conscious about giving him away i don't know how we want to handle that it's what do you think i, I thought we weren't but we could i don't know i know lots I, of people I agree. who who are vaccinated and don't have family that they that they're worried about and want to go to the conference who would love the tickets but and we don't we don't question that but it's it's the principle right it's what message are what message are we sending and then what if something does go sideways and that person gets impacted by it or other people get impacted by it from that person you know it's it's a lot on your shoulders man yeah yeah I don't know. I guess it's one of the areas where I think people care for themselves pretty, pretty well. If you're in your, if you're in our Discord, that will be the conversation for the next month. Uh, if you listen, if you listen to the show later, if you listen to audio stream, feel free to pop in discord.phbugly.com. Yeah, and uh, let us know your thoughts on what we should do with the tickets. So the tickets have been purchased. Uh, the the good people at Longhorn PHP, ha- you know, have seen that income. Basically, the only income they're going to see from it, anyways, because um, I mean, it's not like there's other th- things we could, you know, do. Um, you know, what what are your thoughts on what we should do with the tickets? Uh, I you you've heard my argument. I, I I'm very resistant to to give them away, but I am open to the conversation. So if somebody has an argument or not not an argument, but you know, a, a point that they want to make. Feel free to make it. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a weird time we live in with this whole COVID crap. I mean, my kids just started school this past week. No, oh, Ryan, right. the very first weekend, my youngest gets sick. I mean, how uh, is he, by the way? He, Sunday night, he, I, I lay in bed at 11.18. I happen to look at the clock. I'm just falling asleep at 11.30 when... He comes running into our room and I'm desperately trying to get him not to jump on my wife because that's what he does. He runs in and he jumps on her. <laughs> so I'm like, buddy, buddy, let's go. I'll, I'll take you back to my room. I'll take you back to your room. Like I'll go lay with him to get him. to. And he's fighting me, fighting me, fighting me. And then finally I hear him say, I threw up in my bed. Oh. And sure enough, like two huge piles in his bed. It's disgusting. Mm. Um, he then sleeps in our bed and every 30 to 60 minutes, he's up just thrown up. It's, it was a horrible night and of course we're freaking out because he's back in school we've spent a year and a half Mm -hmm. being so careful as a family not going anywhere not doing much yet we go back to school and in the back of my mind i'm like it's just a stomach bug kids this happens but we're responsible we go get him and uh, my other son tested even though he has no symptoms and thankfully they came back negative but you know it's sad that the first thing you have to think about is is it covid well you my daughter Emily, you're, you're familiar with Emily, right? Uh, yeah. um, she watches a, a uh, yeah, she watches a, a little girl, and she takes her to school. So she just started school. I think she she just started kindergarten, and uh, like you said, they've been in school for about a week, and they got a report this morning. Their school has shut down due to COVID, oh, due really? to a COVID outbreak. Yep. <sighs> So, and the, they have I, they have a mask mandate and everything, uh, but I, it's I, only in, indoors. Yeah, and I don't. Know I've, the been, I've been watching. I've been watching the Poway. I mean, I'm part of the Poway school district, and uh, like our school, I don't had one school based incident. Another local elementary had, I think, four. So I don't know what it takes to shut down an entire school. That's you know, I might I might have misspoken. It might not have been the school. It might have been her class. She it depends is out on of the school. district. So my my wife is teaching now, uh, back in the class, and they last year they had this idea of quarantined groups where mm-hmm. like you were you were in a learning group, and if that group got sick, then that group would be quarantined out of the school, which was a great concept until you looked at the lunch rush. <laughs> And it was like 4,000 students in one room, all spitting on each other and yelling at each other. And you're like, okay, what's the point of this? So they ended up like within two weeks of that that policy, just shutting the whole school down and being like, yeah, uh, that didn't work out like we thought it would. Like, no, no shit. You've you got to be kidding me. It's, I, I thought that yeah. was real well thought out. But you know what isn't well, isn't poorly thought out? What's that, Tom? Honey badger. 
This episode of PHP Ugly is sponsored by HoneyBadger.io, the web developer's secret weapon. HoneyBadger offers exception, uptime, and cron monitoring all in one place, and it is easily installed into your web application. Deploy with confidence and be your team's DevOps hero. Their list of features can fit a team of any size. Are you just starting out? A fantastic free plan for life that you can use while your traffic is low. Are you an established business? Perfect. You should have a system in place to alert you to errors in real time, not finding out when your web visitors complain, if they ever do. In addition, their third-party integrations will let you connect some of the most commonly used alerting services so that you can know at a moment's notice if things go wrong. Head over to honeybadger.io to sign up for a free account to get started. And while you are listening to a PHP podcast, HoneyBadger supports so many languages, including Ruby, JavaScript, Elixir, Python, Go, and so many more. Head over to HoneyBadger.io and start your trial today. Thanks, Honey Badger. Thank you, Honey Badger. We do appreciate your support. Honey Badger, the official sponsor of PHP Ugly, whether they like it or not. A lot of yeah, <laughs> a lot of people in uh, Discord are are installing Honey Badger and using it. I, I know, I saw that. Mike, uh, uh, was it Mike Page or who was it in our Discord that just recently said it? I'm pretty sure it was Mike Page, Mike Page Dev, who uh, said he installed Honey Badger recently. So yes, it's always good, always good. Yeah. How about you, John? I don't think we talked about your week. Well, I told you about my development? kid. That, that was horrible. Yeah, vomit in the bed last, pretty much covers a week, doesn't it? Yeah. La- last week I th- last week was Thursday when we recorded. Right after a release, I told you how horrible it was. It did not get any better Friday. <laughs> Friday was <laughs> Friday was another day of hot fix after hot fix after hot fix. I swear I set a record of hot fix PRs going live in the matter of two days. It was nuts. And the sad part was the code itself wasn't necessarily bad and multiple people are taking kind of responsibility, even though I wrote the code, it mm-hmm. was, there was a refactor PR created six months ago. Oof. That was, that worked. And then every time, uh, something changed, you know, merge conflict, I would try and fix the merge conflict the best I could. It sat in beta where people used the code and said it worked. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, after that PR was opened, additional features additional pieces were added that weren't taken into account so that part of the code now was bad and it was just not taking the time to unit test it because it was existing code made it where no tests was bad so now i'm in the process of backporting and filling in testing testing coverage on those classes because it was such a stressful time Mm -hmm. not fun at all yeah, I'm getting the after talking to Sebastian, I'm I'm kind of getting the itch for testing again. So I might be going down that path. You, you, I, I tell you, you need to. It's having the test coverage makes it so much easier to refactor or make changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the confidence to release something because every time we go to release something, that, that's why my PR sat there for six months because there's no test coverage and it's like, well, what if? Well. Mm-hmm. What if you don't and the the PR goes bad? <laughs> There's that part of it too. Yeah. So it, it's definitely needed. We we'd also talked about um, doing code review lately. Yeah. And I tell you, there are some people that do excellent code reviews to the point yeah. where it can be annoying but helpful as well. <laughs> and I know the per I know one of the person is list probably listening has listened in the past. <laughs> I appreciate your code reviews so much, but at the same time, I was like, I opened like three or four pull requests last night or yesterday, and not a single one got through code review without could, should, <laughs> you must, <laughs> yeah, you must do this, you should do this. It's I was like, going to ask about that because how? where do you stand on could and should in code reviews? Um, obviously, I must you have to do right, um, like this is this is an error should, et cetera. but a, sh- a should we usually it's almost a must but it's not yeah you should you should do this it goes back to the author uh, a could is i mean on all of them if there's any of those comments they go back to the pr author mm-hmm. but the pr author can say yeah i could do that but i'm not going to i'm gonna push it on yeah so and then it goes on to the functional reviewer after that so I, I had an interesting ticket this week that I was doing code review on 
where there was a validation that wasn't strict enough on a field and it had produced a 500 error because the user had passed in an array instead of a string. Mm -hmm. Um, So the ticket was, you know, fix the validation here. And in that validation, there was, there were 10 other fields that didn't require a string validation that should. And I was, I was sort of debating what is the strictness of the ticket here is the bug re- the bug request says fix this field but my sort of interpretation of the bug request was the user said fix this field but it's the because that's the real bug ticket the because is because validation is not strict enough on this field or other fields that that becomes tricky because it's not part of the actual ticket right so you're you're seeing something else in there so i'm reading into on... the t- i'm reading into the intention of the stakeholder that's that's yeah but is it a, is it a but is it to john's point is it a bug ticket see i would say you address the bug and then open up another ticket saying you know we, hey we, we should we should do this yeah mm-hmm should it be done in the same PR as a, it depends on your team. If your team is like, oh yeah, it's easy enough to tackle. I'll do it as part of this ticket. Sure. And, Great, and but if, strictening up the validations could cause problems with the tests that you might not be yeah. testing for the strictness of the validation. So in our environment, if we tighten up those validations, we should also tighten up the testing requirements for those fields. So right. I see what you, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah it's hard. It, it, it's a it's a balancing act and it's it becomes part of your team culture like are you working together mm-hmm. where your should even though it has nothing to do with the ticket improves the code base and everyone's fine with that great but if if you're really being judged on how many tickets you close then they're gonna be like no i did the job for the ticket screw you i'm not doing that <laughs> I, sure. I just have to say real quick that the on Zoom the blur is much more effective. The cat licking itself behind me is not nearly as in crisp a detail. <laughs> uh, so. I I could come up with so many titles for that one, but you know, you guys give me a hard time about it. So I will not talk about cats and licking or any variation of that. So all right, I'm gonna go back to pull requests. Our, our review since we're on yes. it. Do you pull down the, the code to your local machine or do you just review it on GitHub? Depends. So that ticket that I just talked about where it was it was a five character change to an existing uh, request uh, object, I could pull it up in GitHub and say like, yeah, it's five characters. Yeah. Like that's the whole change. Yeah, that I, I, wouldn't, I would not expect you to pull down. Right. And then there's tickets where a whole new feature is implemented with, uh, you know, 80 new test cases that I pull down. Okay. So it's That's w- there somewhere between those two. There is a line where, <laughs> like, is and I think as I'm scrolling through the PR on the, on the website, if I get to a certain point and wonder to myself, uh, how close to done am I reviewing this? That's when I decide to download the whole PR. And view it from start to finish, um, okay. and and that's a I think that's a bad way of doing it uh, because I, I, as we talked about in the past, like you should start with the test, the new tests or the change tests and new endpoints, and follow the the logic flow from there. Um, so it's it can be it can be a difficult call. It is. Um, I'm bad about it. I don't generally pull down the code, and I want to do mm-hmm. better by doing so because. I have people catching, oh, you have a use statement here you don't need. And PHP Storm is awesome about showing you that, but I didn't catch it before pushing Coda. And I'm not going to catch it in doing a pull request or a a review only on GitHub. Right. So pulling it down and, oh, PHP Storm show me, you know, you can get rid of this. You can tighten up here. So this is something I'm working on is I I looked and couldn't find a script that that did a a static analysis and linting on only the files that have changed from the the location, the head of the branch. You can't use PHP stand for that. You can, but PHP stand wants a list of files that have changed. So you have to have a bash script that gets files that have changed from head to. Yeah. That's easy so, enough to do. I, I can give you that snippet. Okay, I'd love that. Uh, so <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm working I'd... on a code review process, which includes a code coverage report, uh, static analysis, uh, testing review, like a whole checklist for me on what constitutes a reviewed ticket or a reviewed pull request. And uh, I can't get xDebug working, which right. is problem, right. <laughs> problem one. All right, hit me up tomorrow. We'll get it working. Um, um, 
well, I can't. I don't want to work on it. I have other priorities to work on. Is my issue. Gotcha. I could. I well, could get it working, but I don't have the time right now. Uh, I will. I will send you the the bash scripting, but that's what I do right now. In a git commit hook, is through some git commands, you get the list of files that have changed, mm-hmm. and then you only lint on those. You run your uh, PHP CS on those, so you're not trying to do the entire code base, which takes so long to do. Right. So that's that's my 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 first step. I mean, I'm 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 in the middle of trying to develop my code review style right now. And what I really really want is to be able to switch PHP Storm or uh or VS, VS code, code into a code review mode, like read only files, uh you know, don't let me edit files, try to trace where things are occurring, where changes occurred, <clears throat> you know, if a <clears throat> if a a line is referencing a method that's changed, then like indicate that somehow, you know, there isn't a good IDE for code review. And I feel like that's a thing that's missing, like really missing in the developer environment. That's that's interesting. How how would that be different than say your IDE though? The, because right now my, right, right now my highlighting in my, in my code is designed to help me as a developer. I want Mm. all my highlighting flush and I want my highlighting to help me as a code review. Um, I want or may, or maybe tool tips knowing for, what's changed. Yeah, tool tips right. or when when I if I'm able to hit the endpoint that executes this code, maybe auto stop there. Like right. auto or, breakpoint at change. Uh, yeah, code. auto auto breakpoints to change code. Um, the same way that we have breakpoints, we can approve like line by line. We can say we approve this line. Uh, we can comment directly on it straight to Jira or whatever your project management is. Like integrate all of these tools that we have into an IDE because our IDE, the way it stands now, is a billion tools that that used to exist all separate brought together into a single interface. And we could do the same with the code review process, bring all of these code review processes together and say, hey, this is in code review mode. You you haven't reviewed this large block of code and this large block of code isn't tested. And uh, this test is failing uh, or this test might occasionally fail here because you're calling something that pulls random data or you know, just... There's a lot of stuff out there all together that mm-hmm. could do this. <clears throat> that's that's another thing to talk about in the code review process. When you're looking at tests, do you spend the time looking at edge cases or other? Um, that's the big one, edge cases. Yeah, I, I would say that 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 change to enforce uh, strings on that field had three or four assertions added. I mean, we we that's one really thing. test hard. That's one thing I am. I feel like I'm good and bad at at the same time. Like I know edge cases and I can usually test for them, but I don't necessarily test test to the extreme. And I'm bad about using things like a simple not when I, when I don't want it to be zero or empty an empty string or null, I'll just say not variable. But then you have the issue of, well, if it's supposed to be an integer and it's negative one, I think that evaluates, if not negative one, I think it values true, doesn't it? So I'm not bad about passing in values like that. Yeah, it's <clears throat> we we had an incident early on where the, the rule came down was over test everything. For, for every line of code, you should have multiple lines of tests. Yeah, I actually opened one of my pull requests. I opened was we, we have a simple phone number class. It takes mm-hmm. in a string and then figures out how to transform it into an, uh, a valid, checks to see if it's a valid phone number and then treat it as such. The class expected a string. However, the calling code was getting data out of the database and apparently in some cases the field was null. So we were getting a type error of null, it, you know, this method was expecting a string null received and the code crashes. So my simple fix is well let this class accept a null question mark string phone number and then first thing i do is check if it's null throw an exception it's invalid data and the reviewer came back saying no that's not acceptable don't do that really and i my immediate gut reaction was like you're fired i'm trying <laughs> no my the immediate gut reaction was like wtf like what the fuck if this is i'm trying to we're using this class Lots of places. I'm not going to go to every single place right now and fix this. I'm not going to cast to a string, which is the easiest thing to do. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to. I'm just not going to go to the hundreds of places it's used for this one 
bug. I was trying to stop it at that point. And they came back very adamant that, no, it's an invalid type. You don't accept it. Fix the calling code. So Mm -hmm. I closed that PR, opened a PR for the one place that the bug was encountered and just cast to a string and was done. I'm like, okay. I mean, it's an easy fix. Which is a lot like what we were just talking about. I was trying to fix it in mass, but it's not necessarily the right way to do it. Uh, Programming is a headache. It is. Definitely is. Question for you guys. Yes. Eric, do you, since you're not talking much this episode. He's froze. Am I frozen? No, he's just in wine country. Oh. (laughs) Do do you use dynamic properties on objects? I do not use... I saw. I saw you. I'm, I'm excited about this conversation. No, yes. I, I, I do not use dynamic yes. properties. Are Are you sure you don't? Explain. No, what I'm dynamic not sure Properties are all right. So, the code base I work in uses it an absolute ton. Like if this if this RFC passes, it's great, but it's also going to be a nightmare for me. Uh, a dynamic property is you can have a, <laughs> okay. a class. It's going to be a nightmare because it'll be an eight point two. So you're not going to have to worry about it. Well, no, it's it'll be deprecated, not out right anyway dynamic property you have an object you can just uh, basically append any property to it whether you declare it or not in your class and there there's an rfc by nikita popov so it's probably going to pass that will remove that ability unless it's a standard class your class has get or set magic methods I think there was one other case in there. Um, but anyway, it's, it's removing this thing. It's, it's an ele- yeah, it's an elevation of a property or of, of a, an undefined property to a defined property. So if you haven't defined it in your class definition, then an object can define it freely. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I know I use it a ton more out of laziness because it was allowed. So I would have an object. I could just add new properties to it, JSON encode it, and send the data back. so it's going to possibly be if the rc passes it's going to be deprecated in eight and then pulled out like not allowed in nine so you have some time the question is i don't know how eloquent does it but with the database library that i use i can do any sort of query and it gets a all the properties get attached to the object I'm on. So they, they are dynamic properties at that point. I wonder, I haven't looked at eloquence since thinking about it. Like how does it handle a random query? Well, eloquent has a, a getter, a get magic method that Doesn't. handles it. So they, See, it, I, it's presented as a property, but it's not actually a property in eloquent because the models have a magic method to, Resolved. the The issue here is that if you have well, so Nikita in this in this PR or in this uh, I've been doing too many PRs uh, <laughs> RFC in the, yes in this RFC Nikita points out that if you define a property of last name and you assign it in one of your methods as last gnome, then PHP will not complain. Right. So no error is thrown, your tests won't fail, or, or unless you're testing specifically that property, your tests won't fail. Like nothing shows up that says, hey, you clearly screwed up. Now, in my IDE, I have a, a code sniffer that checks for uh, dynamically typed properties or dyna- dynamic properties, but in PHP's linting, it doesn't have this. So right. your code could be fun, like you could have a spelling issue that's fundamentally wrong, screwing everything up, and you just wouldn't know it unless you were doing static analysis for it. Hmm. So I, I fully back this concept. Um, and it gets sort of to like, the the bigger issue is that is is a stricter PHP a better PHP so far everything that's been added has been better like I, I, loved I love all it. of it it's the knowing how much work is it's going to take within my code base that scares the hell out of me <laughs> well my issue is that it it took me four days four or five days to get used to return types and attribute types on everything that i wrote but if if this is your first year as a php developer that hurdle just got bigger if you if you're required to have return types on everything then you have to know all the return types you have to think ahead in a way that it, that senior developers do but junior developers do not and i don't want the barrier of entry to be too high but at the same time i want the i want the language to evolve and to improve and 
for me, I learned PHP because the barrier was low, but that doesn't mean I should have stuck with 4.6 or 4.8, which is where I started. Like that, yes, the barrier to entry is low, but but register globals was bad. Like, so where do where do we draw the line? And there's a lot of arguments in the internals conversations about the barrier to entry. They they don't want a lot of features that will raise the barrier to entry on PHP. And I think that's a bad way of looking at things. But I don't know. Eric, your thoughts since you're not talking. And my screen went blank on Tom's screen for some reason. Yeah, I saw, well, you you, disa- you disappeared there for a little while, uh, but but Tom kept talking through it. So I did. Uh, I, I yeah, uh, at least on my end, you did. You 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 went away, and then all of a sudden, yeah. Um, th- this is this is very rare. Uh, I feel like we we should we should make a note of this show, but I'm I'm going to agree a lot with what uh, Tom is saying here. Um, I. Th- think that where php is going i'll, I'll accept it <laughs> <laughs> i think where php is going is is going to start require uh start requiring more knowledge like that barrier of entry is going to to raise up i don't see that as a bad thing i'm glad i didn't have to do it because you know who knows if i if i would have been able to 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 make that but you know i feel like i'm evolving with php a lot of new things in php i'm liking uh we're we'll talk tomorrow if you listen to this podcast you'll want to listen to the php architect podcast because uh this month's um, magazine has a section in it about uh, the uh, attributes. And that was something that I was very interested in using when I saw it. Then I kind of lost that, that interest when I got, you know, now that's available to me. Like I'm not, I don't find myself using it once or twice. I think uh, PHP storm has offered it to me and I look at it. And I'm like, no, nah, that looks too weird for me. I, I don't want that in my code right now. But again, I, I know I keep going back to this conversation I, and I, I'm sorry for name dropping, but uh, Sebastian uh, spoke about this uh, and how he has fully embraced it in his code base and how much he loves it. And he, and he goes through some of the use cases of why, but things like that, uh, not, to, not to get off, off course too much here. Things like that, are, you know, I, I'm lucky. I got in the ground floor. I, I've been passionate about it. I've been paying attention to it and I've been, I've been learning as, as, as this evolved. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we live in a different world. We live in a much, the web is way more complex than it was and PHP is still on top because of that evolution. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with them. Well, and I would even, I would even argue that, that node and JavaScript are in the position that they're in because of PHP's position on keeping things easy. Where if, mm-hmm. if we had done this years ago, That's node Node wouldn't be nearly as popular because Node is is solving problems that PHP sort of refuses to, um, and that's why it's you know Node, uh, <clears throat> Ruby on Rails, these sort of pop up languages, and you know for a while we even had uh, Facebook's PHP implementation hack hacklang, which was like the super strict version, and I feel like that kind of pushed the whole community to say like okay if, if hack is getting popular, clearly we're doing something wrong in the development cycle because like we don't want Facebook to own what PHP is in the future. So we need to take it back. Mm. So I, it's, it is a, it's definitely a balance. And like in the conversations you see in internals, that balance always comes up. Um, but there's a lot of people with sort of old hat ideas of what PHP should be that keep defending it as being the simple language. And, and to be clear, Facebook kept pushing those uh, features back to PHP or making them available, right? It's not like they made it proprietary right, in any right. way. They're like, you should do this, and finally, finally was taken up. Kevin and Discord brought up the fact that PHP's uh, biggest weakest weakness is WordPress, and I don't know if I buy that anymore. I know for a long time that was a big holdback because WordPress was very backward compatible. They wanted to be backward compatible before, but. Right. I don't know if that's PHP's weakness. It's not like the language itself is holding itself back because WordPress refuses to change. Yeah, it's, that's a good way to put it. I think I think the biggest weakness. I think it's a perceived weakness because so many people, especially the general public, think that WordPress is PHP, 
and they see the the problems that WordPress have. And I don't keep up with the WordPress community. I don't know, you know, if it's how many issues they have nowadays. They're doing the well now. They're or, doing or pretty the, good. Yeah, but I, I think it's I think it was a perceived problem with you know you and I, John, have been in meetings where people thought that WordPress was PHP that that mm-hmm. we were having the same discussion when we said when we were talking about developing developing stuff in PHP. So yeah. I I think, and and to your point, John, exactly. I I think maybe PHP did drag its feet a little bit because of some of the pressure it felt from the WordPress community to allow their code base to help them keep their code base base compatible. And I I think nowadays that's, whether it was official or not official, it just seemed that way. But between what Tom said with Facebook and where we're at now with the internals team, that's clearly not the case anymore. It's you know, full steam ahead. There was, we're, we're evolving. There was a while where the clowns were telling the car company, you can't put a bigger engine in there. We need to fit all these people in here. <laughs> and eventually. It's a funny analogy. Yeah. I, went, I, I went to a circus recently. It was in my mind. <laughs> you know what's always on my mind? All right. What's always Me? on your mind? Me. Our wonderful patrons on Patreon. We have anybody new this week? We do not. We do not. All right. Have anybody new? So screw so, those people. No, so, just so, somebody hasn't <laughs> been following the first rule of PHP Ugly Club, which is tell everyone <laughs> about PHP Ugly Club. It's a pyramid scheme. You guys are supposed every 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 Patreon is supposed to bring on three more Patreons who bring on three more Patreons. Come on, people! Oh God, get with it. Five. You just invented. You just invented the worst version of Patreon. (laughs) Every Patreon member gets five more Patreon members. No, you just you just invented the pyramid scheme version, like where if you get people to use your sign up link to sign up with the Patreon, then they can earn money from people they get to sign up. And you were oh my god! <laughs> you just invented the oh worst god. possible thing ever. Patreon or period. the best? Patreonpyramid.com. That's it. Uh, no, Sign no. up today. Multi- Speaking the, of our Patreon, John, Patreon. Multi- John, do what? do we have uh, do we have mail mail going out? Did you get my did you get my message? What message? I got I got envelopes. I got lots of envelopes. I, I got, got envelopes I last list. week. <laughs> I, I've got I've got lots of envelopes. I updated the list. What list? The list is current. I've asked you to send me a list. I sent it to you in in Slack. It's in Slack. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh boy, Patreon members, I promise you, this stuff this stuff is uh, coming. Do you see it now, John? Now that I say Wait, something? you can't promise for John. We've proven that. I can't. At six eighteen on Monday the twenty third. I have no clue what you're talking about. What's wrong with you? Did you get drunk or something? Yeah, I'll do it again. Yeah, boom, boom. Oh wait, what what just happened? No, not that. Don't do that. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, that. What's that? <clears throat> I did my part, John. What part? That's right. I thought you were going to come pick this stuff up and mail it. No, you're mailing it. That's your oh, job. That's my job. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. Why did I have everything sent to your house? We have- That's what I was wondering. You've always sent it out. <laughs> we have the video feed manager, the editor, and the fulfillment. The fulfillment. Oh. That's you. Your fulfillment. For start oh. fulfilling. All right. One one of these weeks. <laughs> I Last promise. Week. I promise everybody. We we have the supplies. He has the addresses. We'll get it done. Last week. Last week, I told you about the hacker who stole $600 million from the Poly Network. And then returned some of it. And returned like half of it and promised to return the rest of it. And here's how stupid money is. The article says he returned all of it, returned the rest of it. It's all back where it should be in the first place. Awesome. Except for $33 million. If if I stole six hundred and I re- and I returned five seventy, eh, what's thirty three million dollars between friends? I mean, come on. Employees, they are hiring him. Really? They are hiring him. The white hat hacker, the the hacker that he calls Mister that they call Mister White Hat, has received a job offer as their security analyst. It is fascinating. Um, but yeah, Even though like, he kept thirty three million dollars. 
Well, the the word is he's not keeping it. It's just <laughs> it's locked in some way that they can't get it moved yet. But it's like a, it's we a frozen. Say he, we don't know who it is. Oh, okay. So the the issue is that the the thirty three million is in USDT, which is a uh, it's a pinned token. It's pinned at the dollar, so its value is always worth one dollar. Um, and Polly reached out to USDT and said, "Hey, freeze the freeze the money on this. Don't let transactions go through with this address." And so they froze it, and now they're saying, "Okay, unfreeze it so he can send it back to us." And they haven't responded yet. So it's 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 a lengthy process. But what's really interesting to me is that that Poly Network basically said, "Hey, we're going to recover all of this money that was stolen," and then they did, which for crypto is weird. Like they were able to lock a distributed network down and say. All of these coins are now invalid and cannot be transferred unless they're being transferred back to us. And everyone was like, you got it. We're on board. And and it worked. What if Mr. White Hat already worked for them and this was just a big publicity stunt to get their name into the media? If it's a big publicity stunt, it's amazing. Dun, dun, dun. It is, it is, this is the only theft and recovery of its kind in history. This has never occurred before. Yeah, as Buttery Crumpets is saying, it's a false flag operation. It, but Poly Network responded and was like, yeah, we got this and we'll get your money back. Don't worry. And did, which is stunning. Mm. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I I'm, just, I'm incredibly impressed. I can tell. Uh, but yeah, they offered him uh, a bug bounty of five hundred thousand dollars and a job as the chief got thirty-three million thank you chief cares. security officer. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just I'm baffled. I, I baffled. Now, Eric, you were talking about attributes and and how cool they are, but you just sort of haven't like put them in place yet. The state of Laravel 2021 survey came out and might indicate why. Bum, bum, bum. Why? So according to the survey, the this is a, a, a which PHP version are you running? And you could choose multiple. Uh, 67% of people responding are running PHP 8.0, but 77, 77% of people responding are running 7.4. And if you're running 7.4, you just can't use the annotations. That's already over 100%, though. I, I'm confused. It's, it's like, I, like I just said, you could choose that you're running multiple versions. And when you have a team size of one or one to five, which one are you supposed to choose? Uh, enterprise. <laughs> it's my enterprise is always the answer. Yeah, enterprise is shouldn't, always the answer. Shouldn't that be two to five and then six to ten, not five to ten? That's true. Yes. One and one to five. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, should. That's where 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 did this uh where, who who did the survey? I permanently see so many different technology, blah blah blah, introduction. Who who's who's the survey from? Do we know? Uh State of Laravel on Twitter. Let me follow the paper trail. That that's actually a Twitter account with thirty nine followers and they follow nobody. Yes. Which actually brings up an interesting question. It looks like it just it was just created actually, back in July. So it, looks, I, it must be this. Must I, be this. As far as I know, it's Tobias? a standalone thing. Uh, Tobias Petrie. Yeah, Tobias. Tobias. Tobias Petrie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I believe it was disseminated through uh, Laravel News, so that's where they got gotcha. all of their responses from. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much I care about these surveys. I mean, you, you, not, nothing against uh, against Tobias or or the work that they put into this i i even even uh jet brains i mean it's well, i don't this, know I, I don't know how much i put into it how much i put into it this kind of follows with uh a previous survey i i saw through php uh php.net that had said you know the numbers are basically the same people are slowly adopting eight but it's not as quick as the seven adoption went so it, it, end of life on seven is happening soon right two months end of life on seven four yeah. Two months. Mm. That's and security That's in six months. Security in six months. Yeah, look at that. Wow. Yeah. Seven four. Mm-mm-mm. They don't tell us how many people took this survey, do they? That would be a good number to have. Yeah. They do not. Over X amount of responders or something. Yeah. All right. It, pretend I never said anything about it. Perfect. No, don't be mad. We're just we're just no, making no. some evaluation. 
brings up an interesting mm-hmm. question, though. I have I mentioned the, the Twitter handle. Uh, the state of Laravel has thirty nine followers and isn't following anybody. I do want to. Know, I have. Could you could you fake a survey like this? Like, sure. If you, why couldn't you? No, like if you if you made it nice and pretty like this one is, and and made obviously bad like relations. People are still using five point six. Exactly. How far could you? <laughs> how far could you get Reddit to push? A survey that was obviously falsified. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't even care to participate in this exercise, but <laughs> that's okay. I'll put your name on it. <laughs> so I was going to say, uh, it, it's not. We, I mentioned in the past my practice of always following people back, and I, I, I well, I, I have been slipping on that recently. I started doing I, it too. I will, I will. I will be honest with you. I, I need to go through and see who's followed me recently and, and go back through. Uh, I had a little bit of a, a of a PHP roundtable bump, and I lost track of uh, all the new follows after that. But I'm, I still follow more people that, that follow me. So that's that's a little sense of pride that I have. I, I will always follow more people than follow me. But my question was, so I extend that to the other handles I manage. So PHP Ugly, although I'm not as adamant about it, but PHP Ugly, I'll go in there and start following back people who follow PHP Ugly. Same thing with our company accounts. Any any of the handles that I follow, I typically try to do a follow back. Um, I noticed PHP Roundtable, however, didn't do this. And I don't pop over to PHP Roundtable's uh, Twitter account that much. I do manage it now, so it's it's under it's under my my you know scope of things. Um, but it's only following four people, and that, I, I don't know like the hubris hasn't the hubris hasn't set in yet. You're, it's still not your PHP Roundtable; it's the PHP Roundtable. It will always be. It is the community's PHP roundtable. It is one of always days, the community's PHP roundtable. One table. of these days, you're going to be like, you know, me, Eric Van PHP roundtable. Well, hey, I put my name on the profile. I did. I do have. It does now say hosted by Showcom. So I do have that on the profile. I, I, I will. I, I, I don't. Put his real name on it. I put my Twitter. You're supposed to put your Twitter handle on there. Dorcas, but uh, but it's always it's always Sammy's and it's always the communities. I I'm just a steward of it currently. So, um, but I don't know. Just like in general, like do people care? Like do you care if PHP Ugly and PHP Roundtable if they give you a follow back, or do you just kind of chalk that off of you know this is not I'm I'm going to follow it, but I don't expect to follow back. So. I can tell you if PHP Roundtable followed me back or if PHP Ugly followed me back. Yeah, actually, no, yeah, I would care. Yeah, you would. Yeah, and I'll tell you. How about you, Jim? I'll tell you why. Because before we did, before we did Discord, some of the 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 names, the recognizable names that are in our Discord started Uh started following us on Twitter. um, Started following PHP Ugly on Twitter. And I felt mm-hmm. like that meant it was okay for me to ask them a question on Twitter to at them. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. You know, um, we we have. Uh, well, I mean, we have. We I, have see, Oscar. I see that with. I see that with people. Even though I, I think you can reach out to people on Twitter whether they follow you or not. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to brands, I don't. But it's see, I, I, PHP I, Ugly I, isn't a brand. It's just the three it of is, us. Well, and honestly, that, but it's still, honestly, but it is, it's just it's, Eric. It's, <laughs> but it's the it's the brand it's a brand site like if i if i go follow i don't know google and they if it automatically follows me back i don't care sure I sure but i don't care about and that, that's the other much. thing is yeah that's the other thing it's like i don't want to i don't want people to think it's a bot like all of a sudden yeah, oh yeah i followed i followed php roundtable it followed me back it must be a bot or something so but, but our brand yeah, is yeah. communicating with people on discord with people on the community but people we we are the we are that brand internally like people listen they listen mm-hmm. to us they like if we follow them back it means to me it would mean more if i went to a show i listened to and the hosts follow me more than the show following. Interesting. You. Well, I get that too. I get follows a lot from people who are obviously PHP ugly listeners, and I always follow them back. Right. Yeah, but to, to John's point, what we should be doing as a as a group with PHP ugly and PHP roundtable is that when we do have new followers, we should be following back as individuals. No, 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 no. 
That's that's a gratuity too far. What do you mean? That's that's too much of a kindness. <laughs> Damn, you're, you're you're rough, man. Nah, I, I still <laughs> I I agree with that, Eric. It's to me it, the brand following doesn't doesn't mean much. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I like that our brand is the three of us. I like that I, that it feels like like us. That when but, you at PHP Ugly, you might get a response from any three of us. And you'll get a response from us on our personal accounts. When someone at PHP Ugly, you don't respond from the PHP Ugly account. You respond from your personal but, account. But that but that's fine. But that's fine, right? I mean, you you don't the PHP Ugly handle doesn't have to follow somebody back to reply back to right. a tweet right somebody can reach you know, out to, to the gen- general php ugly and then one of us could respond right you're and saying. that's a, that's that's the thing it's like uh like i don't the, the only thing it would do for me that i'm aware of is is when i do go to those accounts that initial Twitter stream, I would I, I would be populated by those people I follow, which I don't really care about because the people I care, you know, I care to actually follow. I have in, in my stream. So when I when I'm going to these brand accounts, I'm usually popping in to reply as that brand or to to see a DM in that brand because somebody's DM'd me or something like that. Yeah. So I, it's not like I'm not engaged on that channel. I just so yeah. I guess it doesn't make sense to follow people. Like I say, I just wonder if people like like it. Like if if they like being followed by brands. But now to John's point, yeah, I typically don't care if a brand follows me, and that's what we're talking about here. I, I follow a brand to hear their updates, not to be followed back by it. Right. Yeah, I'll agree on yeah, that. That's good. But that doesn't mean that yeah, the. I think he is. That doesn't mean that the president of the company has to follow you back because you followed the brand. No, I, I agree with that. But this is different. When if you're following a show of people you're listening to and you have you feel some sort of engagement, you feel like you kind of know them. Now, if that person follows you back, it means a hell of a lot more than that show following you back. Yeah, and that's what people get from us. They get reality. They get us. So you're they saying get- Adam Wathen will never follow me back? Correct. No matter how, though, how much you threaten him. Even though I bought his book. <laughs> Adam Matham doesn't follow me either. He only follows... Oh, that's weird. He follows 666 people. That seems uh, oddly specific, Adam. Adam, well, you should give me a follow. You, I, oh, you know what's funny? I love the subtlety is, I, of that because sure, you could just follow at Satan and be more specific. I'm pretty sure Adam Wathen was my was like my 100th follower, 500th follower, or something. Like he was a say. We we were actually interviewing him for SDPHP or no, uh, uh, San Diego Laravel user group. Yeah, Tom, you and I. And uh, before we interviewed, I was like one shy on my Twitter of some number of some round number like 500 or 300 or 200 or whatever it was and he had followed me so so how's that he may have never followed you but he followed me and then stopped following me so that's (laughs) that sucks more (laughs) uh yeah that is better that is better at some point he's like i don't really need to follow this dickhead anymore screw him so and with that that's a good episode right there we're at, we are at an are we hour. Done? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're at an hour twenty. You guys suck, man. That's really what, way did you too me, long. Did you want me to talk about Samsung TV? That's it. Episode two hundred and fifty-one is in the books. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it ugly. ugly. One two one two. Ah, uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas, cause he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me. Shouts out to people. PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional But I'm about to come through and bless you with style So let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room Yo, the segment of the show is called Doom and Gloom That came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise Yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish We talking about the PHP, the programming language About to break it down, no exaggeration What do y'all do for a living web application?
patience, okay, I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying, it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.